Welcome to the Soul Seed Podcast, where soul meets strategy. Every week, I, your host, Sabrina Greer, have activated conversations with multi-passionate, soul-led thought leaders about their journey of growth from seed to soul's purpose. Every successful book, brand, business, podcast, product, or program starts as a seed, an idea planted into the soul of its creator. Be inspired by those who've led before us, six, seven, eight-figure entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, top-rated podcasters, and multifaceted humans. Be empowered by their humble beginnings and expanded by their tenacity and spirit. Join us in the frequency of abundance as we go to the story roots of these powerhouses. Learn how to apply and leverage the Soul Seed Method in the creation of your very own legacy. Let's go. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Soul Seed, the podcast. I am super excited for my guest today. I found him on a Facebook group <laughs> looking for the perfect guest for you. And, you know, as the universe does, and it all just sort of comes together magically and soulfully, here he is. I've got Asha Wright with me today. He is a retired U.S. Army veteran, co-founder of Life Changing Wisdom, coach and co-author of the Demi Divine book series. He invested the first 22 years of his adult life serving in the U.S. military. His next frontier is devoted to mastering the state of authorship and expanding people's subjective well-being through collecting stories and circulating life-changing wisdom. He loves outdoor sports, including snowboarding, biking, and scuba diving. Oh, so cool. It's so great to have you here. And I just it felt so aligned when you reached out and said you were here. You know, I'm a publisher of books. You're an author. Um, you know, we obviously both care very much about incorporating our soul's work into what we're doing. So let's hear the non-bio version of you from you, because who better to introduce yourself than yourself? Sabrina, thank you. That was amazing, by the way. I'm already feeling your energy. So I think we're going to have some good chemistry conversation today. But my story is I am I, I was born and raised in Jamaica. So if any Jamaican out there, big up. Right. I was born and raised in Jamaica. I moved to the United States in 1998. And then I, four months later, I joined the United States Army. 22 year, years later, last year, I retired from it. And now I'm working on the thing that I love doing, which is helping people expand their subjective well-being, like I said. But really, what I really mean is help you discover your authentic ability. Because that was what's, what was key for me when I discovered that about myself. I was like, oh my God, no one can help people figure out theirs. Because I realized that that authentic ability it's in your, it's in your stories, in your past. It's in your past. It's back there. You just gotta go back to, and review and revise and reframe the past, and you can like find a treasure in it. So, but yeah, short version. Mm, I love that. So, explain to me what a wisdom coach is, because that uh, is your title, and I'd really love to just sort of dive into that a little bit. And you know, obviously, we all know what the word wisdom means, but what does it truly mean to be a wisdom coach and the work that you do? Okay, so three areas, three lenses that I used to look at life. I love metaphysics, philosophy, and psychology, right? Because those two, I read a lot of books and those things, and my, my mind comes alive when I read and listen to those things. And, you know, philosophy is love of wisdom, right? And wisdom means application. So I'm, I'm, I'm from a military background, meaning that we do a lot of stuff. Like I, what I call myself, I say I got a PhD and a PhD, right? What that means is I got a philosophy in doing and I got, got a philosophy in being. So I do things. I apply things. So when it comes to my coaching, 
I, I'll use the wisdom approach. The wisdom approach is you got you to gotta activate the awareness in yourself. That means the only thing to activate the awareness is experience. You got to go and experience the thing. So oftentimes people want to do things. They want to have things. But the things that's stopping them to do it, they don't want to do it. They're like, oh, this, I'm, I'm hesitating to do it. I'm like, hey, the only way to activate the, the awareness or the experience is do it. So I'm all about doing it. So I get people to do things that they resist doing it. And that's all the wisdom project come around. Mm, I love that. I actually, I don't know where it was the other day. I heard this quote about your soul and your soul, like the soul of your feet. Mm. So walking, experiencing your soul's work. So I think that's a perfect example of that. You know, the application piece, the doing piece. Because mm. so many of us talk about wanting to live our dream life, wanting to be expanded, wanting to, you know, desire versus doing. And I love that you talk about the application piece because that's a, a big value of mine as well. You know, working with authors specifically as a publisher, a lot of the time we come up against resistance. Well, I want to write a book and I want to do this. And, you know, one day I hear a lot of one days in my world and I really try to rein people in and say, now is the only time because one day will never come if it keeps being a one day. Mm. And I love that you talk about application. It's such a, a big, strong word. And it's such an important piece that I think so many are missing. You also nope. talk a lot about turning your traumas into treasures. Mm. I want to dive into that a little bit because I think yes. that sounds very I'm interesting. A, I'm going to jump into that, but I'm going to add something to your last statement just yeah. now. So you've heard this before. They will say, if you can buy three things in life, buy knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. But if you can only afford one, buy wisdom. That's my that's my advice to people, right? Because knowledge equal information, right? Understanding equal comprehension, but wisdom equals application. It's the application piece that really changes your life. So oftentimes people have the knowledge and understanding, but they are afraid to apply it because they don't want to fail. And you know, I wrote this quote down earlier. I'm going to read it to you. I wrote it down earlier because I like it because it's going to apply to what we're going to talk about today. It's by Theodore Roosevelt. And it says, um, the, the quote, it says, the only real losers in life are the people who end their life, neither have a taste of neither victory or defeat. If you come to this life and you need a taste of victory or defeat, then you're really not really applying yourself in life because both victory and defeat have valuable lesson in them. So when you talk about, when we talk about turning troubles and treasures, my new book that's coming out on June 10th and how I, how I describe it is that like, this is a big thing today we hear everybody has like, I have traumas, like traumas, traumas in life. And if you think about trauma, trauma is, is, a, is an experience you have that you didn't permit. So like in the military, soldiers go to a lot of horrible training like a lot of rough training. But if they was going to that training that they didn't they didn't get permission to do, they would come out of it feeling traumatized. But they volunteered to say, I'm going to do it. So now because you get permission to experience that thing that might be horrible, now you don't come out that's traumatized because you, you get permission. So now a lot of us like saying that, oh, this story is traumatizing. Well, you think that it's traumatizing because you feel like you didn't have, give permission for it to happen to you. And speaking of soul, because you're talking about the soul, right? I'm a very spiritual person. So when I think about that context, I look back at my life. I'm like, hey, hold on. Everything that I have experienced, right? I've been creating it. And you might say, hold on, Asher, hold on. I was a young guy. I was a child. The thing that happened to me, um, I, I didn't create those. I'm like, hold on. Not because the body is a baby doesn't mean 
the significant energetic life force in the body is the baby, right? It is not. So you've been creating this experience of life this whole time. You're just not conscious of it. So if, even if you're not conscious of the creation, doesn't mean you didn't create it. You've been creating it. So now I look at my past with a different lens. I'm like, hold on, I've been creating this entire thing this whole time. Why have I been creating this? I got to find a note. So now I got to review my story, revise it, and reframe it into something that's empowering for me. If that makes sense. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's it's so, and you know, working with authors like yourself is what I do. It's my world. So I find that authors have this this deep understanding because I often talk about the four C's, and the first mm-hmm. C is catharsis of, as to why we write, and catharsis means healing. And every writer, everyone who's brave enough to step into that position of sharing their story with the world is brave enough to also heal. And I think when we write, we have the opportunity to zoom out and see our stories from an out-of-body experience in a sense. And there's nothing more cathartic than that. And that really helps us to heal those pieces that like what you're saying, what we call trauma, because it wasn't permission, you know, the things that happened to us, it gives us the opportunity to zoom out and look at those stories from a different perspective, from a different lens and see where we need to heal those before coming to this place of sharing it with the world. Would you agree with that as an author? Like tell us a little bit about your books and like the stories you share and the type of writing that you do. I'd love to dive into that a little. Oh yeah, totally. I, I agree. I think writing is a is a is a very healing process. Just like speaking is a healing process. One of the big thing about what's happening now is that people are getting to share the story, and when you get to share the information that's in your mind, then it becomes empowering because somebody's listening. And I love this old African proverb that says, "A baby in the wound is only the mother's responsibility, but once that baby's birthed, it becomes a community's responsibility." So now you inside your head, you have a lot of story, right? The story in your head is your baby. Like you've been carrying it around. But now when you get to share it, write it out, speak it, it becomes a community responsibility. You know, other people get to look at it, you know, extract the wisdom from it, share it with you. Like, hey, your story sounds like this because in your head it sounds like this. But when you when you speak it or write it, you have a different sound because other people are seeing it. So I encourage people, you gotta like you gotta write stuff out or you gotta speak it out. But that's where the empowerment is at. When you talk, when you speak your story and other people get to hear it. So in the book, it's all about, I mean, like I I look at things, I kind of share different stories about um, the, life that we, the life that we live, the history that we have created. And in, in, in the book, is I have four pillars that I'm writing my book about. It's what I call the mental intercourse, spiritual intercourse, physical intercourse, and social intercourse. So this first book is on mental intercourse. And it's all about how you communicate a deeper understanding of your physical experience of reality to other people. Because communication is a key part of this part. If you can connect your story to somebody else, then you can find wisdom and value in it. And I, and I go deep into what I call feelings, right? Because they talk about, like, like for a man and a woman, right? What, like, the man, the man we, we often stays in our head, which is staying in our masculine, right? The woman stays in our heart, which is, stay, which is staying in our feminine. So the feeling part of stuff, which a lot of us kind of don't understand a lot, I think we don't understand it a lot because... Everything that you experience comes back to how it makes you feel, mm-hmm. right? Even your five senses, if you look if you look at them, feeling is not one of them. So they all lead back to one thing, which is feeling. How do you, how it make you feel? Because how you know you're you is because how you feel. How I know I'm Asher, because how I feel. 
if I didn't have a feeling, I wouldn't know I'm me. So people have stories and they feel a certain way about it, but they're scared to share it. So I'm saying, share your story. And then other people are like, oh, I feel the same way. No, we connected because we have the same feeling about the story. So now we're connected. And they feel like they connect everybody else too. Over to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. It's so so important. And I think we're on the same wavelength when it comes to that because I I say the exact same thing to, to aspiring writers that I teach and to authors that we publish. Um, what's this hundred books a year challenge all about? I want to hear about that. It's a thousand. It's a thousand. So thousand. I'm sorry. No, let me, let me explain it. Let me explain it. So, so back in 2016, I was doing a lot of work on myself. And one of my challenge was because, you know, I'm I'm ADD and dyslexic, right? So I discovered I was diagnosed when I was in my thirties about ADD because I was going to college. I was like, why the hell school so hard for me? And then I went in and it's like, I should get checked out. I get checked out. I was like, okay, all right. So now I look back at my past. I'm like, oh, this is why life was so hard for me. Because I didn't do a lot of reading. I love stories. Like my personal mission statement is I collect stories and circulate life-changing wisdom, right? So I love listening to people's stories. So I was like, man, I need more stories. The way to get to it is there in books. So I got I to gotta master this state of reading. So I, I set a challenge, 100 books, read at least 200 books in one year, 1,000 books in 10 years. This is my seventh year. So this year I'm closing out on my 700 books. So I'm in the 700 club this year. So but what that, what that did for me, um, Sabrina, is did something that, that one of the opening quote in my book, right? From Desmond Tutu. You might've heard this before, right? But it's, 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 it goes like this. Language is very powerful. Language does not just describe reality. Language creates reality it describes. So I realized the power of words, the power of language, because we live in a world of words. Right. And if we understand that words is what we use to define describe reality, then we will collect more of it, the ones that are empowering, and to describe and define our own reality. And when I discovered that, I'm like, oh yeah. So now in my mind, you know, sometimes they say you gotta think about your thinking. You might have heard this term before. Think about your thinking. And what that what does that mean for me is now I, I realize that hey, thinking about my thinking means I gotta think about my belief system. Because my belief system is what I use to process my experience of reality. And if my belief system is 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 very limited or or is awfulized situation a certain way, then my whole experience is gonna be awfulized. So now I'm like, okay, I gotta I gotta examine my belief system and change them and apply new ones. But I need language for it. I need words for it. I need experience. I need a recipe for other people so I can apply and experience my reality a little bit differently. I discovered that and my life has changed. So now I I do a lot of reading and listen to books. You're speaking my language, Asher. Oh my God. <laughs> Straight to my publisher's heart. <laughs> my author's heart. No, I, I think that's so cool. And the fact that you didn't see these diagnoses of being, you know, dyslexic and ADHD or anything as a limit, you saw it as an opportunity to go into that, right? I think that's I just think that's so inspiring and cool. Yeah, I just I just I saw the enemy in the room with me. I was like, oh, these are the enemy in the room. So now I know I know how to fight back. So now I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm gonna do these things so I can overcome these things that have been holding me back from my from my my greatness, from experiencing my authentic ability. Mm-hmm. Mm. I I think that's so inspiring. How would you say for maybe somebody who you know struggles with similar diagnosis or you know is experiencing a limiting belief around that? How would you say to take the first step? Like what? What's the first step to that? You you talked about doing a lot of personal work, and I I know what kind of work it takes to go through that. But for somebody listening who maybe doesn't have the same level of experience in personal growth, where would you say to start? 
like if they were interested in that. Okay, so I had to reconstruct a lot of my my belief system. And this is where I started at, right? So my first, the first thing I did that, that set my mind free was, I asked myself the question, Asher, if you had to leave planet Earth, what date would you want to leave? And I was like, hey, you know what? If I had to leave, I would leave on my 86th birthday. So if I had, if I had an option to leave on my 86th birthday, I would do it. That's, what, that's the day I would pick. So now what that does for me, right, is set my mind free. That might be crazy for some people. They're like, oh, yeah, you're talking about that. But that, that set my mind free. Because now I'm 43 years old. That means I got 43 more years to do my work. So in this space, we often say we don't have time. We don't have time. Well, no, I gave myself time. And when you give yourself time, you give yourself patience. And that's what missing to a lot of people, patience. So now going back to figuring out how do I really approach that limiting belief? So I consider myself a spiritual person. So I look at things this way. So I see myself as an expression of God, universe, source. It's an acronym. Because some people don't believe in God. Some people call it universe. Some people call it source, right? Gus, God, universe, source, right? So I'm an expression of God, universe, source. And how I express my work is through what I call my ego. Now, ego is an acronym for me because I had to redefine a lot of things to make sense for me. So ego is an acronym which stands for equal gust objective, right? So now I do my work through my ego. So my first ego is my name, right? That was, I, I live up to that thing. I live up to my name. One of my other ego was, I was a soldier. So I said, I am a soldier. So anything that comes after the word I am is your ego, right? So now when you're constructing new egos, right? You're going to feel like you're not good enough for that new construction, that new ego you create. Like if I decide I'm going to change my name to John, automatically, Ash is going to say, hold on, buddy. We've been Asher for 43 years. Now you want to be John? It's going to be a battle in your mind, right? Because the old ego is going to die and the new one's going to birth and they're going to fight because the old one doesn't want to die. So you're going to realize that when you're trying to do new things, you're going to feel like you're not good enough because the old thing, the old ego, you're going to say you're not good enough for that new one, right? And you have that battle, but you got to realize, hey, the new ego I'm creating, I got to educate myself into it. So when I said, Asher, I wanted to be an author, like I am an author, I didn't feel I didn't feel right at the time when I said I'm an author. I haven't written any books, but I said I'm an author. But I had to educate myself into it. And part of that education was I had to read a lot and listen to a lot of books. So if somebody is just saying, hey, I want to do this new thing, but I have limiting belief. I'm saying if you think about it too, that belief system I just laid out. Like God expressed himself to you, you express yourself through your ego. So now it's like a three, three thing process, right? The ego, you, and God universe source right now. So your ego is where you do your work in. So you got to find an ego that's going to embody the state of consciousness you're here to master. And the one that I'm here to master to kind of help people understand why I feel that like my purpose is, is true for me, my authentic ability, is to master what I call the state of helpership. And in the book, Turning Traumas into Treasure, I have what I call the eight major states of consciousness. And one of those states is called helpership. And I learned that about myself after doing a lot of sober reflection on my past. And I discovered that, hey, I was introduced to this state of helpership through my great-grandmother. Because when I met her, she was mastering this state. She was the most helpful and sharing person I know in my life personally. So when I discovered that, I'm like, okay, I didn't take her too seriously. But later on, after my 22 years in the military, I do what I call Project Asher. So I've been going back, asking a lot of people what they like and what they don't like about me. And the common theme I'm hearing, Asher, you're very helpful. You do a lot of stuff for people, taking care of people. You were very good at it. When it comes to the other part of the mission, you wasn't that focused. But when it comes to people, you were very good at it. And it hits me. I've been doing this naturally my whole life. I didn't put a pin into it until people started saying it. Hey, you're very good at helping people. I enjoy this stuff. So now I realize that, hey, helping people is my passion because I've been doing it naturally without saying this is the thing I need to do. So now I'm, I'm, I'm embracing it. 
But then it reminded me of my great-grandmother. She was the one that introduced me to it. Because sometimes you meet people and you're like, oh, I want to carry on their cause because I like what they're doing. But what the universe is doing is like, it's introducing you to the thing that you hear the master. And it makes sure that it follows you around like your whole life. It's attached to you like a fragrance, like a perfume. You would not get rid of it. You can't leave it alone. Just like it might be a trauma that introduces you to your purpose. And the universe makes sure that that thing is attached to you. You would never forget it, right? Because you're here to master it. And they say, any problem you were born to solve, that frustration that makes you angry, makes you mad, you was born to solve. So I realized that mine was introduced to me, wasn't a trauma, but it was some kind of treasure. So I, I kind of I embrace it. It was pleasure. So now helping people is what I do. I enjoy it. I get a lot of energy from it. So now through the state of authorship, right, I'm maximizing this, the major state I'm here to, I'm here to master with the state of helpership. So authorship is my minor. If you go to college, you do your, your, your major, you have your major in the stuff you're minoring. Well, so there we go. Authorship is my minor and helpership is my major. They both align. So now I know what, what I'm, I'm doing with life. Over to you. I love that. That's awesome. It's so, it's so cool that we connected in this way because I think a lot of our values are very similar. A lot of this conversation is not not a, a repetitive conversation, but I've had very similar conversations with other guests on the show. And it's just so incredible to hear it from a completely different perspective. Mm. Um, you know, it's, I, I just think it's very, very cool that our paths have crossed. So I'm so grateful awesome. to have all of your wisdom and knowledge on this show and for this conversation and, you know, just for you being here and taking the time. Is there anything you want to leave our listeners with um, that maybe we didn't touch on, like one gold nugget of information that maybe we left out to the wind before mm -hmm. we say goodbye. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I, so empowerment, I would like to empower you, your listeners with these two questions. And it, it happens because you meet, you're going to meet people that have certain status, they have a certain position in life, but when you strip away those things, right, they're just like you. So whenever time I meet people, I, ask, I, I think about these two questions, like, we're here to make things up and make them real, right? So sometimes people seem so educated, seem so wise, but they're just as ignorant as you. And here's why I put everybody in an ignorant space. Because anything you label, you call what it is, right? If you ask this question, like, if that thing could define itself, would it be the definition that you get that you give it? Right? It wouldn't. Right? And what was that thing before you call it what it is? What was it? Nobody knows either. So nobody knows anything. That's why I say, I don't know anything, right? All I know is the things I make up, I make real. Just like all you know is the things you make up and make real. Just like our forebearers came here and they make things up, right? They give it a label that works for them. They define it a certain way. I have the same power to define things that works for me as well. So I, I'm big on redefining things that, that my forebearers did. If it, it makes sense back then, but it don't make sense now, I'm redefining it so it makes sense for me now. So I feel the empowerment in that process of making stuff up and making real. So what I was, I would advise the listeners to do the same thing because their power is in that because everybody is just as ignorant as you because they don't know nothing. They just make it up. Over to you. Mm, so good. And it's so, so true. I talk about like pedestaling all the time and to take people off the pedestal because mm. we're all, we all start at the same place and we're all, you know, born the same way and all the things. It's like, yeah, I love, I love that. So thank you so much for that. I'm going to, you know, put everything in the show notes so our listeners can find you and track you down and, you know, engage you for more wisdom. Oh, yes. is, is there, where can they find you the most? Like, where do you hang out the most? Is it Instagram or your website? 
I'm on Instagram. So I have two websites right now. I have one for my book, which is called the book series name is Demi Divine. So the website is demidivine.com. And then my coaching is on lifechangingwisdom.com, www.lifechangingwisdom.com. That's my coaching Perfect. website. So they can find me there. And I'm on social media. So you can put that stuff in the in the comments. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I'll link it all. But thank you so much, Asher, for being here today. It's been just amazing to meet you and chat with you and have this conversation. And I just appreciate and I'm so grateful for your wisdom and your time today. Thank you. 